You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about chic frisque on the line i have rob ben take hiero sean hi and kyle howdy risque is the third studio album by american disco band chic released on atlantic records on july 30th 1979 the producer was Nile rogers and bernard edwards and the genre is Disco, soul, and funk, and I'm going to read from All Music Review, Alex Henderson. Chic was very much in its prime when it recorded its third album, Risque, which contains hits that range from My Feet Keep Dancing to My Forbidden Lover to the influential Good Times. That feel-good manifesto is one of the first songs that comes to mind when one thinks of the disco era and Jimmy Carter years, but Sheik's popularity certainly wasn't limited to the disco crowd. The fact that Good Times became the foundation for both the Sugar Hill Gang's Rapper's Delight and Queen's Another One Bites the Dust tells you a lot. It underscores the fact that Sheik was influential to everyone from early rappers to art rockers, a group that many rock critics were so quick to dismiss was having an impact in many different areas from hip hoppers to new waivers in London and Manchester risque was considered primary listening and risque is impressive not only because of its up tempo cuts, but also because of its slow material that includes a lush warm summer's night and the dramatic ballad. Will you cry when you hear this song risque is definitely among Sheik's essential albums. All right. What do we think of Sheik? Risque. Dude. I am a freak for Sheik. So good. <laughs> yeah. I'm way into this. <laughs> so good. Tell me. Yeah, okay. So you guys, uh, you guys know I liked the previous Sheik record a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. I wasn't on that episode, Kyle, Birch. but I really dug it as well. Me neither, but I believe you. I wasn't a fan. Okay. Yeah. Birch was a, he was a poo-pooer. I was in the middle. Um, Didn't hate, but I wasn't for it. You throwing some poo-poo. Um, this record is amazing. And I was reading some retrospectives about it, and somebody said uh, you should pair this record with Fear of Music. <laughs> really? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a dark record. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's really good. Good times. Great song. I Okay, I listened to this whole record, and I was like, oh, there's a lot of darkness on this record. It's kind of sad. It's kind of painful. Uh, what about good times? I went back, looked at the lyrics for good times. You silly fool. You can't change your fate. That's dark. Yeah. That's dark. Yeah. Okay. I have a theory about this record and I'm going to drop okay. it 
early on, even though it occurred to me on the seventh out of eight tracks, um, I am pretty sure this is a concept album. Okay. So I think that they, she meets a man at like a, a roller rink or whatever, everything's fine. And then like, they have like a second date and it's, you know, they're like, I don't know, screwing behind a bush in a park on a summer night. I don't, it's a warm summer night. Yeah. Take zero. Yeah. And then they do drugs and the feet keep dancing, whatever. Forbidden lover is when like, she figures out that he is kind of a player and she's like, yeah, I still want you, even though I know you want to love everybody. Can't stand to love you. Oh like boy. the line, the way that you treated me, you think I were into S&M mm-hmm. is brutal. Like that's when it starts to get abusive, you know, like he's being horrible to her. Um, and then will you cry when you hear this song, the camel's back, sorry, the camel's back broke tonight mm-hmm. is when I thought it might be a concept album. And then what about me is about being ditched by an abuser. Like this is a song of a okay. bad dude. She just got like humped and dumped and she fell in love and it was rough. But I think this is a concept album. You guys. No, checks out. There's plenty of evidence yeah. for that. Definitely. Yeah. 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 yeah I, definitely. I, I read a lot about how uh, a lot of people believed it was more about uh, love and abuse than it was about, mm-hmm. you know, the actual good times of the disco scene and sort of the uh, facade of seeing people disco dancing, but also in the bathroom doing cocaine and, and losing their minds a bit. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, I wasn't expecting it from a chic album to kind of delve into it. Um, but like, you know, she believed she was special and that's a thing. She like got caught on that hook and was just like, you know, yeah, like you love everybody, but I love you. And so like, I'm willing to put up with that for a while was definitely a theme of like the middle of the album. Sean, I agree with you. I think, I mean, this is one of the last like big hit disco records too. I mean, it's not just about the end of a relationship. It's almost about the end of a genre. Yeah. Um, Niles Rogers, he's going to be fine. You know, <laughs> basically. Fine. Um, but yeah, there is an undercurrent of pain and a lot of dark stuff on this record, even in like, I mean, you can definitely make a case for your thesis that you know this this is a continuous narrative can't stand to love you is dark yes confessional dark it's um, a banger like yeah it is oh a no daddy she can stay yeah can I, I, can I read the whole can i read the whole passage yeah yeah, yeah. please please okay surprise baby here i am i'd like to have a few words with you just to talk about all of these things that you put me through oh no daddy she can stay for once in our lives, story, little punk, do it for me or I'll number your days. <laughs> That's not a good time record. <laughs> yeah, she's got uh, the side chick there. She's got a gun, perhaps. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, even the second track, you know, the first time you listen to it, you're like, oh, this is a beautiful song. Listen to it a little closer. Uh, look at the lyrics. Listen to it in the context of the whole album. It's it's about wanting something that you can't have. Yeah. Totally. Man, that's deeper than I got on the second song. I just wrote this to Quiet Storm Makeout Time. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> First pass. I know. I mean, yeah, it, is, it is really sexy and like in the moment. And I wrote it that it felt like my brain was going through a car wash in slow motion. Like it's really smooth. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I mean, when you look at it in the context of this record, it's like this is the high, you know, that she has from being with this guy. 
And uh, it's also pretty hypothetical. I thought the high was the actual high when she can't stop dancing. Literally for two minutes outro tap is dance just solo can dancing. we say tap dance solo yeah okay as a former cool. tap dancer fucking love that i love tap dancing and percussion i danced for nine years super fun and i felt seen the only time i felt seen in this record because it's not really for me as a 34 year old white woman but <laughs> i love this Sorry. record you were you were a tap dancer i was oh my sister was too sick it's fun. <laughs> <I feel> flat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love the tap dance yeah. and my feet yeah. keep dancing. And I also, if I was Ted dancing, like this song would play whenever I walked in a room. <laughs> Is it, so I wrote about in my notes, I said, this one sounds like what I imagine cocaine might be like. I've never done cocaine. I know I'm in the minority here, but um, I imagine Wait, dancing is uh, adjacent to the cocaine feeling maybe. Are you asking mm-hmm. if, if a cocaine uh, high feels like a tap dance solo? Uh, I'm asking if it feels like my feet keep dancing. Oh, I've never tap danced, so I can't <laughs> say. Oh, fair. But your feet keep dancing. Yeah. For, for the last two minutes of the song, just over and over, just hypnotically until it, it feels well, like it's going to explode. Like about a compulsion where it's like you can't stop dancing. Yeah. and. It's like it's amazing though. Like that's I, just what I imagine Coke I, is like. I thought that was um I thought that was incredible that they were self-referencing doing drugs and dancing in a pop song, in a disco pop song that doesn't seem like it's going to end. It's it's a yeah. nightmare of a song. <laughs> but it's supposed to be. <laughs> the first time I heard it, I was like, no, stop. Why is this continuing? And then I realized that they're like, no. It, they continued it for long enough for me to get the to understand what they were going for. Yeah, like the mind's not called I can stop dancing whenever I want. My notes in the song was uh, sounds like what I imagine cocaine might be like. There's a strange amount of desperation for what sounds like a fun song. Yes. And then always love tap shoes as percussion, which we covered already. Love it. I love good times. I love going into warm summer night. I love feet keep on dancing. I love my forbidden lover. I love my forbidden lover. I know you oh, do. You don't have to hide it. I did notice. So I, I, obviously, I, uh, growing up when we did, I knew the song Rapper's Delight before I knew the song Good Times. Uh, listening to Good Times, obviously, uh, you know, I recognize that, that, that bass line off the bat. But that rhythm break in the middle of the song Good Times, before really before it was like a standard practice to allow a DJ time to like mix and sample over a beat that rhythm, that, that that's a long rhythm breaking good times. Like it's just, it's just laying there just waiting for someone to, to loop it. And now Roger. Genius. Yeah. I don't know if, it, yeah. If now Roger and Bernard Edwards had the for, the foresight of knowing what was, what was happening in, like like in the next few years to give them that space to have something to play with. But it, man, if not, how fortuitous I, I haven't heard a song on this project yet that has such an isolated part prime for the picking for a sample. It's just laying there. I don't yeah. Apache. I think. Oh, yeah. Apache. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that you're picking it out because the sample has been used like 
Um, um, where am I? Am I, but it, am, am I here? Where should, where should I? Birch, tell talk me where into I'm the, to... There's a microphone, this thing. Oh, you talk into you. it. Son of a bitch. All right. Um, oh, it's, it's such I'm a sorry. long this, break, this though, for a pop right? song. Like pre mixing, pre mixing, oh. I was just wondering. I, I, I guess it's a dance yeah. break. Yeah, but, but, but mi- mixing, you're not the thing that you're talking about with mixing, I think, is like where you can like t- taking the same record and using that same groove back to forth, back to forth, back mm-hmm. to forth. But at the same time, these dance records were designed so a DJ could have enough time to sync uh, up what the BPM was supposed to be for the next record to go on. Yeah, something of a um, similar BPM and, and then yeah. faded over. Yeah. 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 Yeah, gotcha. These are dance records. These are these. I mean, every song is what eight minutes, six minutes, six minutes. So they're beans. The cat beans is making an appearance. <laughs> to good times. <laughs> keep dancing, there, beans. Keep dancing, dance. cat. <laughs> Just keep dancing. Dancing though, would you not just like play this song whenever you walk the room? Why wouldn't? To be fair though, if you were that handsome, you wouldn't really need the theme song. You just would show up and people would play it in their heads automatically. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. He's the most handsome that we've ever seen in America. So I I did more uh, research for for this record. I did a lot of research for the the last Chic record. Niles Rogers was a Black Panther. Did you guys know that? It's not surprising at all. I did not know he's that. So cool. Yeah, he's a cool guy. I'm gonna. I, I has anybody? I'm sorry. I've asked everybody else except you, Sean. Have you read Niall Rogers' autobiography? No, but I would love to. I feel like I should. Yeah, he's got a website hawking it, and I just it's gotta be astonishing. Like, no, I would check that out for sure. It's in my also, uh, Niall Rogers was a big Bernard Herrmann fan, mm-hmm. which I feel like you can hear in the staccato strings on this record. I love that they have like their own like quartet also. Like it's it wasn't like a synthesized album, like they had a string quartet in in Yeah, it doesn't sound cheesy like lame disco strings. Yeah, I don't know what they what they do different, but somehow they they bring bring some uh it's more yeah, it's it has a bit more class to the mm-hmm. disco. Yeah. yeah, no, it's very pure. No, this this album has like emotional weight. Oh my god! Yeah, I feel, I feel like compared to the the last record they did, I feel I don't know if Nigel Rogers went through some stuff or maybe the bassist did, but this thing I, is. I was blown away by like the themes in this record because I really thought it would be a, like, especially from you know, Good Times has like some lyrics about like boys being boys and girls being girls and roller skates and roller skates. And at first, I thought, okay, well, they're kind of simplifying things and making it easy for everybody to listen to. And then when we listen to the rest of the record, it's like, oh no, she saw some red flags and maybe like ignored them 
Yeah, there are red flags in good times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know I brought it up before, but like good time. Th- this is the first time like listening to this album as a whole. Uh, I love good times. I had heard that song a million times. Makes me super happy. Puts a smile on my face. And it was only like looking at the later songs. I was like, oh, this record's kind of a bummer. Good time. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I went back and looked at the lyrics and I was like, mm. they dropped some little bombs in there. But I mean, like to say, like, it's a good like example for, you know, you think about somebody like Lady Gaga who has so many sad dance songs, you know, like that kind of opens up for all that. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's, it's a self-referencing of the movement that's currently happening. I mean, they, a lot of Kyle, you were asking if he went through some stuff and they absolutely had, um, uh, people that they were in, you know, close to going in doing drugs and, and falling off and, and, you know, having bad lives from the disco scene. And I think a lot of this is a reflection of that. Yeah. Short amount of time though, to go from let's make happy records to, although, I mean, I wouldn't say that they were all candy coated or anything, but this one definitely strikes a different chord. Do you guys want to talk about the album cover? Sure. Yeah. I think it's great. Cause it's way better and more interesting than the one before it. Yeah, that's true. It's not just the slapped on picture of them in the corner. Angled. No, this album cover is very intentional. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was really cool. It's like a 1930s whodunit. Uh, noir mystery in black and white. Yeah, and I feel that leads some mystique uh, to these songs, especially the songs on the second half of the record. Well, it's just like part, it kind of, I don't know, if, I don't want to say kickstarted, but it's definitely part of this like artistic tradition of putting people of color in settings where like traditionally it was just white people. Like it looks like a mobster thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And like that tradition continues even now with contemporary art. So it's, it's really cool to see like them just being like, yeah, no, the, this is our space. Like we're going to look rich, dangerous and fancy. Yeah. Hell yeah. It was like not as much of a thing, you know, in a way that wasn't represented as like pimps and hookers back then. Cause people thought that was okay to do, I guess. No, it's definitely a flex of an album cover. It's yeah. Fucking great. Yeah. It's awesome. I would absolutely pick up this album. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If I ever see it again, I'm going to buy it. For oh sure. my God. I'm into this. I think we are all in competition to get this record. It shouldn't be too difficult to track down. How many millions of records did this the right. fucking thing sell? Well, in this economy. I just, I just, didn't, like, I knew I'd like it because like, there's nothing bad about chic, but I didn't expect to enjoy it on in like this level where it's very yeah. complex. You know, like I didn't think that the lyrics would matter this much. Yeah. It sold at least over a million copies. It was, um, it had, you know, it had a lot of hits. Good Times was number one on the U.S. pop. Uh, Forbidden Lover was 33 on the R&B. My Feet Keep Dancing, 42 on the U.S. R&B. And the album itself reached number five. And number two on the U.S. uh, R&B. I guess they separated those out. So, yeah, it's it's out there. I've seen it before in record uh, stores. But I was like, I was like, it's a it's a disco album. What can? Why would I want this album? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I heard, yeah, we talked about that a few weeks ago. I was like, I've never listened to a disco album cover to cover. It's easy to dismiss. Yeah, 
Yeah, I was just going to say, I was talking to some people earlier in the week, and I, I was going to say, like, there are a lot of bands current day that are gateways into, you know, into disco, pop bands and things like that. And Daft Punk, obviously, is a, a big one. Um, and I know we talked about, yeah, it, and we uh, talked about uh, how uh, random access memories is is so great because they kind of create these live bands. And of course, Niles Rogers is on that Daft Punk album. And it, and it, it's, yeah, it's the exact same sort of guitar work that's going on on these, these records. And there's so many people, you know, in the pop spectrum, uh, industry today that are still referencing things that Niles Rogers was doing back in 19, late seventies. Yeah. Now Rogers is definitely a force, which, I learned at an early age because he shows up on literally every single episode of Behind the Music. He does, <laughs> right? There. Yeah. Yes, I was wondering where, where I recognized it from when I started looking into these albums, and, and that's what it is. <laughs> he's always there. And he always, like, he's like, yeah, I remember this. Like, so-and-so was on cocaine and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, now, Rogers, I trust you. <laughs> all right. We all have to get his autobiography. Yeah, I agree. We can start a book club out of this whole thing. <laughs> one one club it. at a time. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> you guys, I've been hiding for a while. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did want to mention, too, we're going to get to it, obviously, in, in the book, but this is the same year. I mean, this is a dance album, sort of disco era. This is the same year that Off the Wall comes out by Michael Jackson. Yep. What, a, what a strange, you know... I always separated this era of dance music with the sort of Michael Jackson era of dance music, but this is the same year. Was off the wall Quincy Jones? I believe Must so. Been, I would right? imagine so. Yeah. If not him, who? I don't know. Yeah. Enough, I don't know. It was Steve Albini. Tito. All from. That was a good joke. Thank you. I got you. <laughs> you know, a few episodes ago, we covered uh, the Talking Heads album, uh, Fear of Music, where, you know, it's got uh, the song Life During Wartime with the line, This Ain't No Disco on it. And at the time in the late 70s, there was such like a big, like a uh, classic rock backlash against disco. Uh, like all like the like the the burning disco records at Wrigley Field and stuff. Where did they all be- come from? And because of you know that Talking Heads line, I think Talking Heads kind of got lumped into this disco blowback unintentionally. Because if you listen to the music in Fear of Music, there's some strong disco influences. Like they they they. they they were definitely into aspects of that scene and, and that, that line was just uh, kind of misinterpreted and, and, uh, and appropriated uh, to, to be this big, like anti-disco thing. But uh, I know we're not talking about talking heads anymore, but we've talked about them recently and here we are listening to disco and I'm, I'm hearing stuff on this album, like bass lines and, and percussion lines and stuff that, that are reminiscent of some stuff from that fear music record. Ben, um, yeah, like I said, uh, I was reading a retrospective of this album, and they 
suggested pairing it with Fear of Music. So I think that's fair. Like mm -hmm. they suggested pairing this with a of a a pure disco record. I want this record is, is good. I mean, you've you've got Niall Rogers, <laughs> Bernard guy, like laying down that bass. It's sick. It's sick. I love that you're you're a chic fan. You're a chic contemporary. <laughs> I am a chic fan. This shit is catnip to me, Bert. You got that snappy <laughs> bass style I, I, and that I, I, like expert guitar and those detached, but like, mm, let's pay attention. It, well, like ever since, like I think I read this like 15 years ago, but somebody referred to Talking Heads as a funk band, and it changed the way I listen to them forever. Yeah, they slap hard. I was I was there for the second record. <clears throat> this third record, I was like, mm, Birch better not say anything. <laughs> yeah, this, this, <laughs> this, you can say whatever you it's want. Like your opinion, man. Yeah, this this record, in my opinion, is way better than the uh, yeah the, previous. The so it's the second record. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's it 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 brought it home for sure. I was a fan of um, Nile Rogers playing. I th I just think that they. It's like they didn't have enough material that they just they didn't have lyrics and they didn't have the material, I feel like, on the other album. I thought they had just the material, just the, the lyrics were lacking. And honestly, like what this this album tracks in it, seven tracks. Yep. In total. Yeah. Like, sure. I mean, it's a, it's a short record. Yeah. Like they uh, it's it's all killer. No filler. Yes. And that's oh, old Nile and Bernard are spreading themselves thin with Sister Sledge as well. True, very true. Somebody break Niall's heart. They kicked off this record with an eight-minute song, and like throughout the whole thing, I was like, eight minutes is fine for this because I want to hear this for eight minutes. Like they didn't want you to lose your place. They really put you in the zone first, mm -hmm. which most records don't start with a long song. I would spend the new record on the regs. I mean, they the they also spent one hundred and sixty thousand dollars on this uh, with with a budget for this album, so they were shooting for the for the moon. Yeah. It's, what is that in today's dollars? Anyone do that, math? Let me do it in uh, my... That's how much it's spent to go to college. So. I have an inflation calculator on my phone. What, tell me the numbers yeah. again, please. 160,000. In what year? 1979. Okay. I'm sure a good chunk of that is in, in, in using live string arrangements, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Probably. It's t it's a ton of uh, time in the studio and people mm -hmm. to uh, okay. to use it. Today that would have been five hundred and seventy three thousand five hundred and seven dollars. Incredibly cheap. Incredibly yeah. cheap for what they. Well, I, also, what I, don't think, I don't think that the string arrangements are what cost them money because like you can just not pay string players like 
Well, it's cheaper to do it on a synthesizer, though. Not at this point. Not at this point. No, I think I think that yeah, I think they were like, oh, well, like there's some people we know who plays instruments. Let's just use them. They could pay them nothing. Maybe the budget. You need to pay studio musicians, even if they're just playing a violin. Oh, sure, but you don't need to pay them better than anybody else. And and the cocaine that like is just sitting around everywhere, like you know. Oh yeah, what percentage of the album cost is uh is coke expense? Yeah, that white money. That white money. How are you gonna get tap dancing for that long? I. I, I don't want I don't want to skip to the end, but I, I'm here for this record though. Oh. Uh, fully, record fully positive. Guys, thank you for everybody. Thank you for being here. Sonic experience. I will pick up this, this album if I see it at a store, and the entire thing's playable. You don't need to skip a track. You can just drop the noodle on it, and yeah. it plays just fine. I'm gonna buy every copy of this record that I can find, <laughs> and then you guys the skips. God, that you depriving other people of this record. Yeah, well, you know, it's hard to find Nelson records. People are always like, I can't find Nelson records in record stores in Louisville. I'm like, that's I bought them all. What do you want? I'll give it to you. <laughs> it's true. I uh, just want to Count as my uh, Nelson dealer. Yeah, I got you. What do you mean? <laughs> Son of Schmilson, please. I'm the daughter of Schmilson. Yeah. Would you need that? I'll get you one. I, I don't have I'm good for right now. I'm going to copy of Son of Schmilson. You guys don't have that? No. I think I have that. I've got Nilsson and I've got Nilsson sings Newman and I've got the point are the only three I have. Yeah. Okay. All I've got is the point and Nilsson. If you guys need Sonner Schmilson, I've rebuilt my arsenal and I probably have five or six copies. So. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that. <laughs> anyway, we're here to talk about Sheik. <laughs> uh, is everybody on the positive? On this, absolutely. Yes. I hope so. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Birch, what do you think? Yeah, I'm on. I'm on Birch. the positive. It's a good enough. Um, the production is there for sure, and it they come around uh, around with the songwriting. Yeah. No, I th- I think it's a solid solid um album. Dance, uh, slow songs. They mix it up really well. It plays really well. Um, we. Uh, I usually talk about tracking, but it, yeah, the tracking on this album is, is pretty uh, spot on. Yes. Oh, the sequencing is perfect. That's how you know it's a concept album. <laughs> oh, are we all agreed it's a concept I Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't know if I consider it a concept album or if I just consider uh thematically i mean i think he was in a headspace and writing at this these at the same time i don't know if it i don't know if i i buy the theory that it's a one continuous you know story of people if if you listen to it th- with that in mind you could probably make it happen which yeah. i don't know if that concept album makes but you know yeah, yeah it does have a storyline a few pieces together yeah but i think it does have that sort of i mean it's it all the songs are talking about the scene that they're that is happening within this album. Self fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, next time we'll be talking about the undertones. The undertones. <gasps> what? All right. Thanks, y'all. What about me?